Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember, subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. This week's Fiber for Breakfast brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Wesco. Good morning and welcome to Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber Breakfast. We're now in our 37th episode of 2023. But before we kick off, I'd like to thank Wesco, the platinum sponsor for Fiber Breakfast. You know, last Thursday, the Senate confirmed Anna Gomez to the open seat at the FCC. So now we have a full contingent of five FCC commissioners. The commission has been in a deadlock with two Democrats and two Republicans since the beginning of President Biden's term in January 2021. So now we have a full contingent. Congress is currently focused on how to fund the government after September 30th. So a lot of activity there. But however, one of the big topics on the Hill this week is on artificial intelligence. So there's multiple hearings being held on the topic and Leader Schumer is continues his roundtable discussions. You know, our next and final regional Fiber Connect workshop for 2023 will be held in Minneapolis on October 24th. So you're not going to want to miss that. So please register today. These have been selling out. They've been great. And I'm really excited to announce that next week we'll be kicking off our quantum series at Fiber for Breakfast with our sponsor Cubitech. So during the next six months, we'll be exploring a quantum network topic uh, once a month on Fiber for Breakfast. So that, you know, as fiber enables our quantum future, you know, we want to keep you informed. That brings us to today's Fiber for Breakfast session with Jeff Hainan from Delora, who will be discussing his latest research on setting the record straight on pond equipment trends. And last week on Fiber for Breakfast, we had the pleasure of hearing from Angela Seifer the executive director of the National Digital Inclusion Alliance to discuss addressing all barriers to digital equity. Angela is doing an amazing job in NDIA, and with the current investment in fiber infrastructure, I believe that we are on the path to closing the digital equity divide. Today on Fire for Breakfast, our guest is Jeff Hainan from Delaware, who's gonna be discussing setting the record straight on pond equipment trends. Jeff is the vice president of broadband access and home networking, and he joined the Loro Group in 2018 as responsible for broadband access and the home networking market, fixed wireless infrastructure and CP and cable outside plant market research program. Jeff has expanded the scope of the broadband access and home networking areas, encompass fixed wireless CPE, virtual CCAP, um, remote PHY, and remote MAC PHY and DOCSIS 4.0 infrastructure. So all the acronyms um, he, he's responsible for. Uh, he's also authored numerous articles and white papers, and his research and analysts have garnered widespread citations in leading trade and business publications. Furthermore, Jeff is a frequent expert judge and invited speaker at industry conferences and events. So welcome, Jeff. And for our audience, please type in your questions as we go, and we'll get work them into the Q&A at the end. So that, I'll hand it over to Jeff. Well, great. Thanks, Gary. Um, and it was uh, great seeing you at the uh, Fiber Connect event. And uh, hopefully I probably saw a lot of uh, of the attendees there as well and, and got a chance to catch up with everybody. Um, 
so t today, uh, you know, at, at the event, um, there were obviously a lot of questions, a lot of conjecture around uh, the current state of the pond market and current status of uh, large-scale deployments and where things go, obviously in the context of uh, a record uh, year for 2022 in terms of equipment purchases uh, and, and fiber network rollouts. And then also, um, you know, with BEAD and, and other uh, funding programs uh, still on the horizon or currently in process, you know, where things, where things stand, where, where do things stand with the supply chains and uh, component shortages? And, uh, you know, how do you factor in things like uh, the uh, Build and Buy America uh, uh, programs that are going to be in place for uh, the BEAD program? So all of those questions uh, happened at the show. Uh, so I thought I'd follow up from that event and, and just give a sense of where things are at. As Gary mentioned, we just wrapped up our Q2 uh, report. And so I wanted to share some highlights from that. So, you know, we just wrapped up the first half of the year. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, 2022 ended up being a record year for pawn equipment spend in North America. You obviously, you had RDOF and other, uh, other uh, federal programs and state programs and initiatives that ended up pulling forward some of the spending on infrastructure uh, that was, you know, uh, you know, had guided to be out uh, a little bit further. You still had long equipment lead times. In fact, we we are still uh, some vendors are still facing that, um, both on the OLT and ONT side. And so, uh, as a result, uh, operators uh, began to purchase additional capacity just to be on the safe side, so that they had it for their uh, own initiatives. Um, so, and then by the second half of the year, the lead time started to improve, uh, uh, equipment started to get freed up and, and orders were, were fulfilled, um, backlogs started to come down a bit, um, so we started to see orders being filled at a more normalized rate, something that operators and their equipment vendors and suppliers were more used to. So when we look at a, a comparison year over year between the first half of 22 uh, spending and the first half of 23, almost identical uh, in terms of overall spend. And, and that's a good thing. It really suggests that, you know, despite all of the, all of the challenges uh, that have, uh, you know, come to fore here in the first half of this year, it suggests that demand continues to remain high for all kinds of fiber projects in the North American market. Now, uh, what, what looks to be happening here is, despite the fact that the first half compares well to the first half of last year, um, it was the second half of 2022 uh, that really showed uh, the freeing up of some of those orders uh, and a really accelerated pace of equipment purchasing uh, record levels in the third and fourth quarter that we've really never seen before in the North American market as operators really scrambled to get equipment in-house uh, so that they could deploy that as part of their uh, strategic initiatives uh, for their fiber build-outs. And so for the remainder of this year, I just don't see that type of uh, demand. Uh, certainly, uh, there's, there's this uh, phrase now, of course, of in inventory digestion, inventory drawdown, and we're certainly seeing that. I think if you talk to all the vendors in the space, uh, they would concur that that's what they're seeing as well. A lot of that inventory that they per operators purchased in the second half of the year uh, will be uh, drawn down uh, for, throughout the remainder of the year. Um, in addition to that, um, we still uh, we're seeing some of the larger tier one operators reduce uh, their expectations this year for uh, homes passed in terms of their goals. 
doesn't change the long-term uh, forecast for them. They still uh, are, are very much focused on maintaining uh, those homes past goals and even exceeding them. It just so happens that currently, uh, the, uh, for uh, many reasons, uh, including delays in locating and permitting um, continued labor shortages across the board, and also just uh, uh, waiting for uh, the bead program uh, to really begin to flow through to the vendors and the operators. So all of that is, is creating just this condition where 2023, in terms of spend, will still be uh, uh, you know, at near record levels, but certainly down from 2022. And you know, one thing that I think is interesting about the North American market is that really it dominates uh, other regions when it comes to the percentage of total OLT ports that are being purchased that are XGS PON to support multi-gigabit services. And so what I've done here is I've shown that the ratio of uh, GPON to XGS PON OLT purchases uh, from 2021 to 2023, and you can see it's, it's essentially flipped so that the market now, uh, we estimate that by the end of this year, over 60% of all OLT purchases uh, will be for XGS PON here in the North American market. And that's well ahead uh, of all the other regions around the world. Um, and, and so you can see that Really, a lot of the decline uh, this year is coming from the spend on uh, traditional GPON equipment, um, and uh, and of course we expect to see that by you know 2025, um, with the bead program in place uh, and continued efforts and focus on multi-gigabit service rollouts, uh, I'm expecting that about 85%, if not a little bit more, of new OLT ports purchased in the North American region will be XGS PON. Uh, you know, for this year, of course, there's always a lag time, right, uh, uh, from the infrastructure purchases uh, as the networks get rolled out to when the services get marketed uh, and then uh, subscribers get turned up. And so we always see a, a lag of, you know, two quarters to three quarters in the very early stages of deployments. Uh, and that ultimately uh, reduces to about a quarter. In fact, you'll see in a kind of a... Uh, you know, one quarter of OLT purchases, and then the next quarter of the ONT purchases uh, to, uh, as those service, the, the fiber to the home uh, networks get turned up and uh, the services get marketed to new subscribers. Um, so, you know, what, what I think uh, has happened uh, for the XGS PON ONT market is, you know, those units were being rolled out at uh, during the pandemic and during all the supply chain uh, issues that we faced and still continue to face to a certain degree. And so uh, the units are uh, behind the infrastructure that's in place. And so there's a lot of catching up that still has to be done uh, on the XGS PON ONT side. Um, but certainly by 2024, we expect that uh, the XGS units will surpass GPON, new GPON unit purchases um, in 2024. You know, I, I think I've, I showed this slide uh, also in my last presentation to, uh, to this group. Uh, but, you know, it, it's interesting to watch uh, the, the 25 gig capable market uh, continuing to expand as well. And these are worldwide figures here. Um, and, and certainly it's important to keep in mind that even though these are capable ports, uh, they haven't been turned up for service yet. Um, and there's a high likelihood that not 100% of these uh, ports will get turned up for 25 gig services. However, you know, it, it, it's important to keep in mind that 
the uh, you know with combo optics with combo line cards uh, the uh, the roadmap for operators to move from a GPON to XGS to 25 gig or even 50 gig and 100 gig uh, it's very clear and and the vendors I think have done an excellent job of uh, giving operators a, a real a real clear path. Uh, without significant impact on their optical distribution networks um, and, you know, without uh, a tremendous impact on how these new bandwidth tiers and services are operationalized, um, they all they have a roadmap in front of them that allows them to grow and expand. Certainly for the 25 gig market, we see that more in, uh, in the space of uh, business services, um, and in fact, I expect to see quite a number of announcements along these lines uh, where operators begin to deploy 25 gig for an Ethernet replacement type service for uh, business customers as they expand their fiber networks, uh, you know, ostensibly to support both residential and business uh, class customers. Um, so this will be an interesting uh, technology, of course, and an interesting market to continue to watch. So, you know, I also, since I cover the cable market as well, uh, I figured I'd show uh, just, um, you know, what's going on in the cable space. Uh, a lot of uh, participants here uh, view them as a competitive. Some have cable plant themselves and are figuring out uh, what to do uh, with that if DOCSIS 4.0 isn't uh, on the table. Um, and so it, it it's really interesting to look at cable kind of being in a similar position uh, to some fiber providers right now, in the sense that uh, the upgrade uh, of their infrastructure is happening, um, and you can see that in the form of new remote FI devices, as well as corresponding virtual CMTS uh, licenses uh, to support the service groups that are now supported in a, uh, or by remote FI uh, units. Obviously, the, the benefit here for cable operators that are deploying this uh, remote FI and virtual CMTS architecture is improved signal quality, um, uh, reduced modulation error ratios or improved modulation error ratios. Uh, and just if they're adding more bandwidth through mid splits and high splits, they're uh, inevitably going to uh, do that in conjunction with uh, these remote FI deployments. Uh, because of the additional bandwidth uh, and, and signal quality improvements uh, that they get. So that's continuing on. The challenge, of course, uh, as we've all heard, uh, especially here in the North American market for cable operators, is uh, subscriber growth or net subscriber additions are extremely slow right now. Um, and, uh, you know, some of that has to do with uh, uh, fiber competition, of course. Uh, but a lot of it also has to do uh, with the fixed wireless providers, um, and um, that's uh, continuing to have an impact. So, you know, you, you have a similar situation where the operators are updating and improving their infrastructure, while at the same time, the subscriber growth numbers are continuing to uh, come down here uh, in uh, over the last few quarters in the last year. Um, and so uh, it, it, it's kind of an interesting uh, conundrum for a lot of operators. And, you know, certainly it's important to keep in mind that a lot of the remote FI and VCMTS uh, purchases are being driven by larger North American tier one operators at this point. So 
um, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit more difficult for the smaller operators to get their hands on uh, this equipment uh, at the moment. Um, certainly supply chains will ease up just as they have in other areas. Um, but again, uh, this, this kind of dilemma uh, uh, that many operators are facing um, is, is similar here in the cable space. So, you know, as a result, um, the you know, cable operators, uh, particularly in North America, continue to expand their own fiber deployments, uh, whether that's in overbuild scenarios, certainly in greenfield scenarios. Um, it's, it's almost unheard of at this point for a cable operator to deploy new coax uh, in a greenfield environment. Um, but also, uh, uh, most definitely in these edge-out uh, programs. We certainly see this with charter uh, and it's Ardoff build out where they're using remote OLT uh, and, and uh, cabinets uh, to basically build off of the existing DOCSIS footprint they have, uh, but then moving into the unserved and underserved area using uh, fiber uh, with a remote OLT that has the same footprint and form factor as a traditional optical node. And so we continue to see this as a, uh, a really important platform going forward for cable operators as they uh, make their transition to fiber and want to do so at an, uh, kind of an incremental pace, um, you know, without having to necessarily throw the baby out with the bathwater uh, in, in terms of their existing HFC uh, plant. And really, you know, these, uh, these purchases by um, you know, tier two and tier three MSOs here specifically in the North American market are really just beginning. We've just scratched the surface of, of this particular form factor being used in uh, those type of deployments. Um, so I fully expect that moving forward, uh, this is how many, uh, many cable operators are going to expand their own fiber footprint um, in their serving areas. Well, thank you uh, very much. Um, Certainly, I'm happy to answer any questions at this time. Mia, can you slide back to slide eight? Yeah, so I just wanted to hit some things on your some of your slides here, Jeff, mm -hmm. if you don't mind. Um, all right, so, you know, you, well, go back to slide seven, right? So you, you're saying that, hey, everything's looking good in the first half, you know, record pace like last year, and then go to slide eight. And then you're saying we're, one more, yeah, there you go. Um, you know, we're looking at a dip. So, but you have kind of the ONTs and OLTs kind of dipping at an equal measure, it looks like there. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't the ONTs, if you have a robust, you know, um, sec, first, second, second half of 2022 was a record on ONT shipments. And then we also had a strong uh, first half. Wouldn't the ONTs, since they're lagging at least a quarter, be more robust than this? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a good question, and it probably it's probably worthwhile showing this chart in the form of uh, units and port shipments. Um, what what's going on here, and if you look at it just from a revenue perspective, um, the ONTs actually, uh, you know, I think the the total revenue is expected to decline by 16%, right? Um, OLT revenue still. Uh, only only dropping from about 7% from 2022. And so you're still having the infrastructure go in place. Uh, and I, I think pe uh, uh, companies are still, uh, or operators are purchasing, uh, again, 
to uh, manage their own inventory as well as you know they have their strategic initiatives they know how many homes they still want to have passed so they uh, uh, the OLTs are a safer bet at this point ONTs are, are impacted a lot by availability still I think in addition to uh, you know the lack of subscriber growth I think there is also a desire to wait for uh, lower cost units um, and as we get as we get new cycles and new spins of, of ONTs, each successive generation brings with it a reduced ASP. However, there's, there's this period that operators can wait while they focus on attacking new areas and putting in new infrastructure and then uh, you know, buying the ONTs later. So if you look at my 2024 numbers, you'll see that the ONT growth uh, far outpaces what we're looking at for OLTs because the focus now is still on the infrastructure and building out uh, the networks as opposed to turning up the subscribers. Thanks, Jeff. Um, may I go to the next slide? So you're talking about XGS pond. Is this XGS? Mm -hmm. Right. So XGS pond, so the green part, is going yep. like crazy. At what point does 25 gig pond start to? Um, show up on these graphs? I mean, it, it really, it would start to show up a little bit uh, as a sliver this year. Um, and I expect that 2024 and 2025 will show uh, gradual improvements. It's still difficult. Um, you, you know, I, I keep running into operators uh, who have the capability of deploying 25 gig. Um, and, and certainly their, their plan is to use it for business services. Uh, and uh, that, that's been a consistent message uh, that I've received uh, uh, from operators. And there, there will be high-end residential deployments, don't get me wrong, uh, but I, I really think that it's going to be you know, 24, 25, 26 uh, that we'll see the continued growth uh, using 25 gig as an option for those uh, uh, business services. So what vendors are shipping 25 gig pond now? I know Nokia is definitely right. It's re really Nokia at this point, um, and I think I think they probably have some other announcements that are imminent, uh, waiting for other vendors in the MSA that will be uh, supplying uh, equipment, particularly ONTs. I mean, I think that's a gating a gating factor at the moment. Certainly, um, you want to have a a pretty robust uh, you know vendor ecosystem uh, when it comes to the ONTs. Mia, can you? Um go to slide 10 and this is where you're talking about um so you have gpon xgspon again on the ont side mm -hmm. um so one thing you know i think you mentioned this during your discussion there is that vendors using gpon ont's and then upgrading to X, so put xgs infrastructure in so you have 10 gig symmetric but not going with the xgs um ONTs until you need, you know, someone's looking for a 10 gig service. So right. wouldn't that kind of artificially hold up the GPON ONTs? It uh, it certainly is, and that's why I mean that's why you continue to see uh, so many uh, GPON ONTs being deployed uh, relative to the you know the infrastructure uh, that's being deployed to support XGS. So it is almost, uh, and, and the unit costs for GPON ONTs tend to be relatively inexpensive at this point. 
Um, so uh, in, in some of the discussions I've had, the operators don't necessarily view uh, you know, running, uh, uh, running the infrastructure at GPON line rates currently uh, as, a, as sunk costs. Uh, they feel that you know when the when they're ready to upgrade to XGS across uh, their entire systems uh, with you know the purchases of those ONTs they'll they'll be happy to do so. Um, but you know they're not they don't have to amortize the cost of these ON, the GPON ONTs over an extended period of time because they're relatively inexpensive right now. All right, thanks, Joe. Uh, may I go to the DAA transition slide? And this, I just wanted to make some clarity for, there you go. Um, yep. Since it's a little hard to read um, on the screen here, mm. but, and I know the cable industry likes a lot of um, hand wavy terms. So can you maybe for our audience just briefly explain mid splits and high splits and, and also what's the real landscape? You know, cable labs, everybody touts 4.0, but you know, I had to order cable the other day and I'm only getting 10 meg upstream on their super duper gigabit service. So um, what's what's going on? Yeah, so uh, mid splits uh, and high splits are both uh, forms of what's called band splitting, right? Where that is a, an attempt to take care of the issue that you're facing and a lot of subscribers face, which, you know, Doxis was designed to, uh, from the get-go to be an asymmetric uh, protocol uh, and, and technology. And as you know, fiber, uh, and as we have all you know needed uh, more upstream bandwidth, uh, cable operators are responding by um, uh, changing uh, how the bandwidth uh, that they deliver and how the spectrum that they deliver is allocated between the upstream and the downstream. Um, so a mid split will take you know uh, you know anywhere current low split or uh, is a 5 to 42 megahertz for the upstream mid split will take that to 85 megahertz right so in 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 theory an almost doubling of of the upstream speed and then high split will take it to uh you know 200 to a 4 megahertz uh so even more uh, bandwidth on the upstream side as well without diminishing the downstream capabilities so you know you'll you'll start to see uh more operators roll out a you know a two gig down and a 200 meg type service uh but it isn't really until you get to doxis 4.0 uh that you can get uh and you know uh, symmetric or near symmetric uh speeds um that some customers want so um you know it's a uh, and 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 certainly not all operators uh, and certainly not all regions uh, plan to move forward with Doxis 4.0. In fact, most European operators uh, will stick with the Doxis 3.1 high split uh, for the time being, and then uh, largely move to fiber uh, from there. Um, North America is really where Doxis 4.0 um, will be predominant uh, among the largest operators. Uh, but even among those operators, they do have uh, strategies to incorporate more fiber. Um, and, and you know, the interesting thing is, um, you know, his, historically, uh, cable, uh, the, from the managed subscriber management and routing perspective uh, with a, a traditional integrated CMTS, uh, was designed for a cable modem. And now, with a virtual CMTS uh, and, and, you know, virtual BNG architectures, 
uh, they can treat the fiber subscribers and ONTs very similarly and manage them very similarly to a cable modem. So uh, that gives them some more flexibility that they've never really had in the past. All right. Well, Jeff, this is great stuff. Um, so some of the questions that come in are, you know, beyond sales, what insights, you know, are available about actual appointment numbers? I mean, if I was to net this out from listening to you, it sounds like this year is a little bit of anomaly as we do inventory drawdowns, but what's, you know, kind of the future look like? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We did our, we revised our uh, five-year forecast back in July. Uh, and, you know, this was before the Q2 numbers came in, but I'd had conversations with the vendors uh, and operators as well about what the rest of the year looked like. And they all said the same thing, inventory digestion, inventory drawdown. Okay, that's understandable. Um, our five-year forecast uh, hasn't changed. It's a blip this year uh, and maybe impacts uh, the first quarter uh, of next year. Uh, however, there, there's at that point, I think we get back to a situation where there's pent-up demand. Uh, and, and certainly when you hit 2025, uh, with bead funding beginning to flow through to the equipment vendors, uh, that ticks things uh, back up to the point where, you know, again, 2023 will certainly look like the anomaly on this continuous growth trajectory that we've seen over the last couple of years. Well, Jeff, again, you always have so much great information. Really appreciate all your research and industry insights. And of course, it was great seeing you a couple weeks ago in person in Orlando. So thanks for joining us today, and I look forward to getting back together next Wednesday for Fire for Breakfast. We'll be kicking off the first of our Fire for Breakfast episodes on the Quantum Series with Dr. Duncan Earle, the co-founder, president, and CTO of Cubatech, where he'll be discussing quantum technology, what it is, and why it will soon matter. So you're not going to want to miss that. So thanks. Thank you, everyone. We'll see you guys next Wednesday.